Hello and welcome to the Luke's Look Podcast. This is the August 28th edition of the program. We've got a loaded show for you today. We're talking about the Andrew Luck retirement situation. We're giving you our, my, I should say, top uh, 10 games in college football. I should say the most interesting games in the Power 5 and Group of 5 conferences. We'll also go over the NFL and the Premier League. But we start in League 1 of the English Soccer Pyramid, the third division of the English Soccer Pyramid, where Burry FC has been kicked out of the Football League for failing to provide documentation proving that the club could get through the season financially. Uh, Burry were founded in 1885. They were one of the founding members of the Football Well, they, I don't know if they were the founding members of the Football League, but they were one of the clubs that were uh, in the early Football League, we'll say. They've been in the league for a while. And it really is heartbreaking when you think about it because Burry last season were in League Two, the fourth division and the last division in the pyramid known as the Football League. The Football League is the top three divisions, really, a uh, top four divisions, but the Football League itself is exempt from the Premier, exempt from the Premier League, which is the top flight. So the Football League is really the second through fourth divisions, the Championship, the second division, League One, and then League Two. Bury were in League 2 last year, and they won an incredible promotion to League 1. But they haven't played a game in League 1 yet because they were not able to provide financial information stating that they could survive the season. The club was put for sale in December and bought in December by a man named Steve Dale. He bought it for one pound. And now, as a result of having gone through numerous deadline extensions, the league basically said, look, we cannot afford to continue suspending games to wait for you to sell the club because we're going to have to reschedule those games and there are other competitions that clubs are involved in in the league as well. The FA Cup, the League Cup, and the EFL Cup. That's three competitions more than uh, in addition to the league. They couldn't afford to squeeze all those games into the calendar. Think about it. Just for those games, that's five games. That, that, that's, that's really difficult to fit in and still maintain a fair and competitively balanced schedule. It just is. I'm sorry, but it is. So, when I first heard about what happened at Bury, I, obviously being a, a fan of the English game, I, was, uh, I, I don't want to say heartbroken, but I definitely was saddened because I look at it and I and I basically say, why? Why would you do this if you're Steve Dale? Why would anyone do that? If you are an owner who has put his club in a or her club in a position where Burry and fellow League One club Bolton are in, and I'll get to Bolton in a second, it is your obligation. To find a way out. Even if that means taking a lesser deal for you. If it benefits the football club. You are under an obligation to do that. Make no mistake about it. There were reports on Friday. That Bury were going to be sold. And this is going to be over. They were going to be able to present all necessary information to the EFL. And they were going to be fine. They were going to survive. That didn't happen. Somewhere between Friday, when Steve Dale went on BBC Radio Manchester and said the club had been sold. 
And now, Tuesday, when the club were kicked out of the league, something happened. It was reported that Steve Dale also turned down offers because he thought he could get a better deal. That goes back to what I said earlier. It doesn't matter if you think you can get a better deal. You're under an obligation to sell the football club. You're going... Here's the thing. Steve Dale bought the club for a pound. Unless someone offers him half of that, he's going to make money on that. I'm sorry, but he just is. There's no way that if you buy a club for a pound, you can't sell it and make money. You're going to be fine. I mean, I don't know how it can be allowed to go get to this way. Brewing fans have every right to be furious, have every right to be uh, questionable with any new ownership that comes in because they've seen what happens when new ownership comes in. And Steve uh, Dale himself said he's not a football fan. If you're not a fan of the game, why do you buy a club? Why? Oh, I know. They're money machines. Yes, that's true, but you know what? People's lives are tied to these clubs. There are people, not just the the staff of the ground on match day, but there are people who have been going to the same ground on Saturdays with their with their dads, with their granddads, with their grandmas, with their moms for years. And now because you're being selfish, you're taking it away from them. Why? How can anyone look someone else in the eye and say, I don't care about you, I'm only there to make money? I don't get it. And I never will. I don't know how. EFL clubs can vote someone in like that. As an owner. Because you have to be approved by the league to be an owner. You can't just buy a club and say, right, I'm the owner now. You've got to be approved. There has to be a better way to determine whether or not someone's going to treat a club right. Because here's the thing. The more times you have bad owners, you drive away people. And I'm not saying the game is in any way, shape, or form in trouble. But I'm saying this. If you drive enough people away, you're going to end up having a big big deficit in terms of what you could be earning. Fans buy shirts, fans buy tickets, fans turn on TV. TV is a lot of what comes into the Premier League. If I'm alienating people on my TV or going to my stadium, I'm not making as much money as I can. It just makes sense. If you treat your clients right, they will treat you right in return. The more dire situation here is the one of Bolton. Bolton Wanderers were playing in the Premier League not that long ago, and now here they are on the brink of extinction. They have 14 days to provide the necessary documentation, or they'll be kicked out of the Football League, and I believe they're in risk of being wound up and going into administration. The last club I recall going into administration was Rangers. I could be wrong. There could be one in between, but I don't remember that. So, you saw what happened when the Mighty Rangers, the second biggest team in Scotland, went crashing down into administration. They started 
way below down the pyramid in the, in the Scottish pyramid and worked their way back up to the premiership. All the while, Celtic continued to rule with an iron fist. Why do people let this happen? Why? I, that's, that's a serious question. If anyone has an answer, please, contact the show. I really do not know why people feel the need to drive clubs into the ground. It, it It's just simple business. If you do well, you get more money. In any league, if you the, the higher you finish up the table, the more money you get. The higher you finish consistently, the bigger profile you get, the better players you'll get, the more games you'll have on TV, the more attention you'll have coming to you. It just makes sense. There is no incentive whatsoever not to want the club to do well. It's do everything within your power to let that happen. And that starts with running it the right way. And you know what that starts with? The fans. Because without them, you're nothing. Without fans, the game and the club does not survive. It, it, it's It's proven. You can't have a club without fans. Otherwise, just 11 men kicking a ball down in the park, and I don't think anyone wants to see that unless they're wearing the same jersey and going up against 11 other guys doing the exact same thing. I don't know. It, it's it's really just... it's. I will say heartbreaking in many ways to see what's happening because even from across the pond... Here in the U.S., you read what you uh, read and you hear what you hear and you just go, how can anyone stand that? How can anyone look them look these people in the eye and say, I ruined your club? How can anyone do that? Take away family tradition, all what? Because you wanted to make more money? Even though in Burry's case, you bought the club for a pound? I just don't get it. I really do not understand. Let's move on. And let's bring you the full-time scores from the Premier League this past weekend. Uh, Aston Villa beat Everton 2-0. Norwich City 2. Leicester, excuse me, Chelsea 3. Brighton 0. Southampton 2. Manchester United 1. Crystal Palace 2. Sheffield United 1. Leicester City 2. Watford 1, West Ham 3, Liverpool 3, Arsenal 1, Bournemouth 1, Manchester City 3, Tottenham 0, Newcastle 1, Wolves 1, Burnley 1. The fixtures for the Premier League this weekend uh, is just Saturday and Sunday because we're coming up on an international break. This is the last round of fixtures before the international break. Uh, Saturday 7.30 a.m. here in the East Coast, it's Southampton versus Manchester United. 10 a.m. games include Chelsea versus Sheffield United, Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa, Leicester City versus Bournemouth, Manchester City versus Brighton, Newcastle versus Watford, West Ham versus Norwich, and the 12:30 game is Burnley versus Liverpool. On Sunday at 9 a.m., Everton will host Wolves, and Arsenal will host Tottenham at 11:30 a.m. 
let's move on now to the other kind of football, the one vastly more popular in this country, the American kind, the NFL, specifically. And the biggest news of the day is by far the retirement of Andrew Luck. That is not up for debate. It is the biggest topic in the NFL today, just as it has been since it came out. And for those of you who may not be aware, Luck has uh, struggled with injuries in the past. He's had a lacerated kidney, among other things. He uh, had what was called a calf injury to begin with, although it's said more of an ankle um, this year, currently. And I don't blame him at all for retiring at the age of 29. I have no issue with it because I've always believed this. No one knows your body better than you. I've always believed that. So when you come to me and you say, hey, you know, Andrew Luck retired. He's the one that has to go to bed with that at night. He's the one that has to get up every day and fight whatever he has to fight to get in the building. I've got no problem with him saying, I'm done. And I admit that doing it during the third preseason game with only one game left before the regular season starts is a bit peculiar. I admit that. But I also don't have a problem with it because, again, he we don't know what went on behind closed doors. We don't know that his doctor or a Colts doctor or someone said, Andrew, you are going to have to go let's say four to six weeks into the season before you play a game. Let's just say that. Do you really want to do that again? Because then you're going to have to rehab. And by that time, if the team is bad, season might be lost. There's no... It it doesn't make sense. So, no, I've got no problem with Andrew Luck saying, you know what, boys, I've had a great run. I appreciate you drafting me number one overall, but I'm out. And I'll admit, when I first heard and saw the video of Colts fans booing him as he left the field in Indianapolis on Saturday night, I was a bit mad. And I won't say that I'm not because there's a part of me that goes, just cheer him. Dude gave everything he had when he was there. He played seven seasons. Alright? He, he was always the kind of guy that wasn't afraid to run over someone. Wasn't afraid to tackle. Wasn't afraid to uh, do what he had to do to win the game. Wasn't like some quarterbacks who get out of the way and just hide. It's not Andrew Luck. And so, when I look at that reaction, I understand it. Because the Colts were viewed as a team that could challenge the Patriots in the AFC. They were viewed as one of the favorites to win the AFC South. Make the playoffs if you win the division. And now all of a sudden they're turning to Jacoby Brissett. Who they got in a trade from the Patriots last year. So when I look at that. I understand the reaction. But I hope that people have taken a second chance to think about this. And I hope they realize what they did was wrong. Because think about it. That's the last time Andrew Luck walked off the field as the Colts player. And you booed him. You know what you should do? Indianapolis. You should have cheered him. Number one. But you should welcome him back with open arms and say, Hey, 
Thank you. Thank you for giving your best effort. Yes, we only made one AFC Championship game, and that was a Deflategate game. You did not make or win a Super Bowl. But we welcome you into our homes for 16 games a year. And you know what? We had some good times, didn't we? And I'm not even a Colts fan. But that's how I think people feel. And I'll go into that a little bit later. It just, it's, in some ways I guess it's baffling to think about people booing their own player. But people get booed all the time. There are teams that get booed off at halftime. If they're down a crazy amount or they had to play well the first half. It's happened before. And I have no doubt it'll happen again. But it just really caught up. It really kind of hit me when I watched that. And I went, wow, look at that. But I wish Andrew Luck all of the best when it comes to his his retirement. Uh, I don't know if he'll return to the NFL or not. I have no idea about that. I'm not even beginning to speculate. I'm just not. But I think what he said is telling. The joy had been taken out of the game. Once you lose that, it's difficult to go on. And yes, there are some guys that are really good at football who may not love the game, but they like it, and they find a little bit of joy in it. Then there are some guys that are just football guys that just play way beyond what they should. Because they just love it so much and they can't give it up. I don't think Andrew Luck was one of those guys. I think Andrew Luck was a guy who has a supercomputer in his head. And realized he was really good at football. But he had other he had other interests. Remember he has a book club. Andrew Luck book club. That shows you there's other things going on in his mind. So I have no problem with him saying, you know what, I've made a good living. I've had a good time. But I'm not going to continue to put myself at risk. I have other things to do. And I have zero issue with that. None. It's his decision. He will live with it. And we as a football fan collective will move on. I know some people draft him in their fantasy drafts. I am not one of them. My quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Drew Brees. But uh, it's just really, really, really... It'll be really weird to turn into a Colts game on Sunday and not see Andrew Luck quarterback, even though I've done it before because he's missed a lot of games. It'll just be really weird. And 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 look, if the Colts go 10-6, and 11-5, and 5, no one even remembers Andrew Luck was there. But if they go 5-11, and 11 and 6-10, and 10, oh yeah. There's going to be a lot of people saying, uh, hey, we had Andrew Luck, we'd be doing all right. We don't have Andrew Luck where we're at now. I can just say that right now. So, with that, there were games played in the NFL this past week. Uh, let's go through the scores of the dress rehearsal week in the NFL preseason. The Patriots beat the Panthers 10-3. The Giants beat the Bengals 25-23. The Redskins beat the Falcons 19-7. The Ravens beat the Eagles 26-15. The Raiders beat the Packers in the game played in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada 22-21. The Dolphins beat the Jaguars 22-7. The Buccaneers beat the Browns 13-12. The Bills beat the Lions 24-20. The Vikings beat the Cardinals 20-9. to 
The Cowboys were all over the Texans, 34-0. The Bears beat the Colts, 27-17. The Saints beat the Jets, 28-13. The 49ers beat the Chiefs, 27-17. The Ravens beat the Broncos, 10-6. The Seahawks beat the Chargers, 23-15. And the Steelers beat the Titans, 18-6. So, let's move on now to the games to be played this Thursday. There is only one day of NFL preseason games this year, this, this week, uh, because we're all looking forward to the NFL opening the season after Labor Day, Packers-Bears in Chicago. So with that, at 7 p.m. on Thursday, the Vikings will be visiting the Bills, the Colts will be at the Bengals, the Eagles will be at the Jets, the Steelers will be at the Panthers, and the Falcons will be at the Jaguars. At 7.30, the Giants will visit the Patriots. The Lions will visit the, the Browns. The Ravens will visit the Redskins. At 8 p.m., the Titans will visit the Bears. At, uh, also, at 8, the Buccaneers will be at the Cowboys. The Chiefs will be at the Packers. The Dolphins will be at the Saints. The Rams will be at the Texans. At 9, the Cardinals will be at the Broncos. And at 10 o'clock, the Chargers will be at the 49ers. And the Raiders will be at the Seahawks. Well, we got through that. But there's one thing I'm missing, and it's something that I really put an emphasis on last week. That would be college football. There were games last week. Uh-huh, I said it. There were college games last week, and this is so great to say. So, when I was at Concord in, in, in college, I had a radio show. I called it The Formation, and I almost and I debated calling this show... The formation as well, where I didn't want to limit myself to just sports. And I also kind of wanted to leave that, the formation at Concord. I didn't really want to take it out. That, that, that's, a, that's a frozen in time thing. But one of the features that I really loved doing there was during football season, I would do my college games in the week. But I didn't look at it in terms of the best game of the week. I looked at it as the most interesting game of the week. And I just did it for the Power 5 conferences because I only had an hour. Here I've got so much more time. I've got as much time as I, can, as, as, as I want, really. And at Concord, I was having to uh, maneuver around songs and things like that. Like, I had to have a song playing under me. So if I was talking over a song, generally I only had about three or four minutes to get through. If I was either going to keep talking over another song, or if I wanted to let that song play because it fit in with what I'm talking about. Um, so, bottom line is I've got a little bit more time to dive into these games. Uh, I'm also going to do something that I didn't do at Concord, and I'm going to pick the 10 games that I choose as the most interesting games of the week. I'm going to keep track of it as well. So... I'm going to do the Power of Five first, and then the Group of Five, and I'll go into each game as I go through. So, in the ACC, the most interesting game is Boise State at Florida State. Florida State is a team that had an absolute disaster last year. They lost division attack in the opener, and they never recovered. So... What do you look at now? Can they get back on track? Who is the first game? It's not a cupcake. It's Boise State. Perhaps the best FCS program 
excuse me, not an FCS, a group of five program. Ever. I don't know if Boise will be, if Florida State will be able to win the game. So I'm picking Boise. Just because I like them, I, I'm not sold on Florida State yet. That's the thing. If I was sold on Florida State, then yeah, I would think about it. But I, I'm not, I'm just not, sorry. So, until I have until I have evidence to prove to me that Florida State is going to rebound, I cannot in good conscience pick it. I just can't. So I think Boise State wins that game. It's a close one. If Florida State did win, it wouldn't shock me. But I have no reason to believe yet that Florida State will win the game. My opinion will probably change for them as the season goes on, but for now, I cannot in good faith pick Florida State. In the Big 12, I debated between Houston, Oklahoma, and this game, but I ended up picking this game, and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, James Madison at West Virginia. I'm not being a homer. I'm a WVU fan, I'll admit it. But I think this is the most interesting game of the Big 12, and I say that because West Virginia has been picked... Uh, I believe they were picked 8th in the Big 12 uh, coaches poll, uh, preseason poll by the writers. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I don't think it's right. I think West Virginia might be better than what we think in October and, and November and maybe late September. But I don't know how they'll come out of the gate. It's Neil Brown's first game. I have no idea. And so until I have an idea as to how WVU is going to look, they're a complete wild card. James Madison comes in as the best FCS program. You can make a case they're the best FCS program, period. They may not have won the national championship last year, but you know what? They're dominant. They've had college game day come to town. They've beaten out FBS mid-majors for recruits. They get the job done. And they have a first-year head coach, Stuart Kurt Signetti, the son of former WVU head coach Frank Signetti, who succeeded, who preceded Don Nealon and came after Bobby Bowden in Morgantown. Kurt Signetti was the third-string quarterback in the first-ever game at Mountaineer Field in 1980 when John Denver came out in St. Country Roads as West Virginia played Cincinnati. This is going to be cool. I gotta admit, it's a new it's a, it's new eras on both sides of the field, and that's what's gonna be fun. JMU has a new has the same starting quarterback as last year. WVU has a new starting quarterback. Th- this should be interesting. I, I I think West Virginia wins, and I'm not picking that with my heart. I'm picking it with my head because I think they'll have enough to pull it out. Because I think Neil Brown coming from Troy. As a head coach who went into Nebraska and won, and they've been in these situations before against Power 5 teams, he'll have an idea of the mindset that JMU is coming in here with, and he's got a young team he can get him to buy in, he'll get him fired up, and he'll have him ready to go. And I just, I think that would be the difference in the game, that Neil Brown has some sort of idea as to what the mindset of these teams is. The Big Ten, Northwestern at Stanford. And Northwestern is a team that I think can win the Big Ten West. 
just like everyone in the division can, I would say, except for Illinois. And Illinois may may be, may be something. We'll find out. Stanford, I said this uh, earlier, and I don't know if this is the time when you start questioning David Stroff doesn't go well this year. It could very well be. It could also not be. It just kind of depends. So, Northwestern doesn't really start off all that well. Traditionally, they start slow. But they really get get going late in the year. They've got a new quarterback this year. He's a transfer from Clemson, but he's still new. I'm interested to see how they play against Stanford. I don't know if they win the game. In fact, I'm picking Stanford. But this will be an interesting game. It really will be. So, in the SEC, number 11, Oregon versus number 16, Auburn in Dallas. Ashton Arlington at the Cowboys Stadium. And this is the only ranked game, uh, ranked on rank that I have. So, there's a reason for this. I do not trust Auburn, period. Auburn, to me, might well be the most up-and-down program in the country. And that's not meant as as disrespect, it's just the truth. One year they'll be great, the next year they'll be middling along and they'll just go 7-5. and five. Then the next year they'll build it back up again, go 9-3, and 10-2, and two, the next year they're back to 7-5, and 8-4. and four. They're up and down and up and down and up and down. Everyone thinks we're higher than this year, I don't know. I have no idea. And I'm curious to see how Justin Herbert plays knowing that the entirety of the NFL draft is... is it, Everyone in the NFL is focused on him and the draft. That's what I'm curious to see. Because I don't know how he'll do. And it's a mixed bag when it comes to players returning for their senior year when they could have gone into the NFL draft. Some people do really well. Some people fall off the, off the cliff. I'm curious to see how this one goes because I really have no idea. In the Pac-12, I have Fresno State and USC. By the way, I'm picking Oregon. I'm picking an upset special here. Fresno State beats USC. Now, let me explain that. I don't know how USC is going to adjust to the new throw-it-around-all-the-time offense. I have no idea. And that's the biggest question mark to me. How is USC going to do? Because when I look at this, Fresno State has been dominant the last few years. They've got that thing really rolling. They don't really care who they're playing. I think USC has better athletes than Fresno State just because it's USC. But I don't know how USC adjusts. Clay Heldner's coaching for his job, and he knows that. Losing to Fresno State won't go over well at USC, but I think they will. To the group of five now, and I have Houston and Oklahoma as the American Athletic Conference, or AAC, game of the week. I didn't want to do this. I don't like Dana Holgerson. Now they left WVU for Houston, but I'm glad they have Neil Brown in Morgantown now. But this is the most interesting game because you're looking at a big, tw- a former Big 12. Well, actually, he's a Big 12 guy. He was a coordinator in the Big 12 and then became a head coach with West Virginia in the Big 12. Going up against Oklahoma. Never beat Oklahoma at WVU. Just couldn't. Came close a few times, but never actually got over the hump. 
And now his first game is at Oklahoma. With Jalen Hurts as quarterback. Oklahoma's going for their third straight Heisman winning quarterback. We'll see if they can do it. I'm taking Oklahoma in this one. But I wouldn't be surprised if Houston keeps it close. I really wouldn't be shocked. So, moving on now to Conference USA. Uh, and it's Lane Kiffin's FAU at Ohio State. I don't normally trust first-year head coaches. I just don't fall in love with them. Because I've always been a believer you have to get your culture set. And even though a program has been successful, there are certain things that certain coaches like to change. And I respect that. So, having said all of that, I don't love Ohio State in the Big Ten, but I love them in this game. I don't know how Lane Kiffin is going to do. He's kind of falling off the map. Remember when he went to FAU? They were throwing points all up over everywhere, and they just were scoring points left and right. Lane Kiffin was the talk of college football. And then what happens last year? They have a bad year. Will he rebound? <laughs> That's the big question for me with FAU. Because I don't get the sense Lane Kiffin is going to stick around there much longer. Whether it be on his own accord or another or a decision made for him is a different matter. We'll figure it out. But I pick an Ohio State. In the MAC, Akron at Illinois. And this isn't so much about Akron as it is Illinois. This is an, a team under Lovey Smith that has got new facilities. They need to put a team out there that's going to give those facilities a reason to be good. And what I mean by that is this Illinois has struggled. So they're probably the only team that couldn't win the Big Ten West. How do you get confidence going? You beat Akron. Simple as that. Illinois needs this game to get off to a good start. They need to be competitive. I don't think Lovey Smith is on the hot seat right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if that seat's a little bit warm. Wouldn't shock me. The Mountain West, I have Purdue at Nevada. And this is an instance where Nevada is one of those teams that people, I think they're gonna be they're gonna be decent, but I think Purdue has a chance to do something really really special this year. I don't know if they'll be like ten and two or anything, but I think they'll be good. Mondale Moore entering his sophomore season at Purdue, they got to replace a little bit in West Lafayette, and that's a good test on the road. I think Purdue wins the game, but I don't know how. Uh, I think it'll be close. And finally, the Sun Belt, Texas State at Texas A&M. And I think A&M blows Texas State out of the water. But I'm curious to see how Jake Spadadol does at Texas State. He is the former WVU offensive coordinator. Remember, he left before Holgerson left last year. Texas State has been really down the last few years. They have not been good. And I expect AM to absolutely brush them away, no problem. But I've got no doubts in my mind that Spavadol will change how things went at Texas State. But I don't know how fast they'll get there. I'll be curious to see what they look like coming out against AM. But that's really about all the value there is for this game for them. Just see where you are and collect a paycheck. That's really about it. Coming up in this show, a second look, it's the start of high school football season across the state of West Virginia. There have actually been two games already. 
uh, involving high school teams in West Virginia. But the party gets going really on Friday, with some games Thursday. College season starting in the NFL is one season away. His second look is a commentary about what football season means. And that's coming up after this short break, so please do stay tuned. Welcome back to the Luke's Look Podcast. This is the second look of our show. And I talked about it in the last segment, about how it's football season now. And I watched the documentary. I actually recorded it on Saturday night, Sunday morning, really. And I watched it the other night about the college about college football um and just how the game has been shaped and molded into the game we know now and the title of the thing was called this is us football is us the college game and i thought about that and i thought about how we know we know college is starting this weekend and we know that here in the state of West Virginia, they're starting high school games this weekend. And I thought about that, and I thought about just what it means to me that football season is back. And the best answer I can give is I'm th- is, is elation, really. And it I think it goes beyond this favorite sport, which it is, but I think when you consider what is, when does football being played fall, when do we kind of come inside a little bit more, fall, winter kind of thing, right, and I've always lived in the, in the age of TV, I don't remember a time when you had to, you know, struggle to find a college game on TV. I have no recollection that my dad does, but I don't. And I thought about how games on TV and games in uh, in person as well, but they serve as this kind of gathering center. You know, the whole town comes out for the high school game. People from far and wide come out for the college game. And we all gather around our TVs on Sunday afternoons after I get, after some of us, who, those of us who go to church, come back from church, and then those of us who don't, or if you just don't go to church that day, if you just don't, whatever, I, I, I'm speaking for myself here, come back and you enjoy the NFL Sunday, then you go to bed and do it again on Monday night. So there's a rhythm to it. There's something special about all of the days of the weekend football season. And I'm excluding Thursday night football because it's a real, relatively new invention. And it's not, I don't think it's really into the uh, football culture yet. I think it's getting there, but we're not there yet. We still love that traditional Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. And so I, I just, I thought about my high school, Oak Hill High School, absorbed two schools into it this year. Fayetteville High School and then part of the student body from Valley High School came in. And I thought about how Valley and Fayetteville will not host another football game, a high school game. They won't. 
and I just thought about that for a second. And, you know, one of the great things about West Virginia is we still have very small towns. And these small towns have, have had high schools in them for years. I live in Fayetteville. Town population probably not, there, not really about 3,000. You know, on Friday nights you'd find them at Fletcher Air at Stadium talking about the Pirates and watching them play whoever they were playing. When they played Oak Hill and Mount Hope, you had a rivalry going. It was fun. Mount Hope, for that matter, came into Oak Hill uh, during my sophomore year of high school. My mom taught at Mount Hope. My mom taught at Fayetteville. Mom taught at Oak Hill. I saw all these schools before I went to Oak Hill. So, you look at that, and it is definitely something special. And so, it, it just it's one of those things where when you watch something like that and you start thinking about it, you start thinking about how special it is. And I know some people kind of discount high school. Uh, maybe they didn't really love their experience in high school. But for those of us who are of the belief that high school is the purest form of football there is. It's people who have grown up together, fighting for one cause and also and also working to honor those who came before them. It's something special. And I would send this message out to those who are in high school now and who and for those who want to play football. Take this time to enjoy it. Take a look around you and see the people you have coming out to support you who may or may not even know you. In most small towns, you probably know a lot of people, if not everyone. But there might be someone out there you have absolutely no idea. And they're coming out to support you. That's something, isn't it? To me, it is. And if you're a college fan, think about it. These are 18 to 22 year olds. And yet you're watching them on your big screen TV with the 100,000 people in the stands that are actually there. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying think about it. It's really kind of cool, isn't it? That we can... It almost, it almost equates to suspending your disbelief. You know, like when you're watching a movie and you go, oh, that could never happen. And you have to suspend your disbelief to enjoy the movie. It's almost as if you look at it and you don't really think about these kids being 18 to 22 years old. And yet here they are, you know, hitting people and, and catching and throwing touchdown passes and running through defenders and 100,000 people in the stands are paying these coaches, you know, $5 million a year. Uh, these schools are, you know, making so much money off of this stuff, yet we don't really think about it. And then in the NFL, you have a guy retiring at 29. <laughs> and as crazy as that is, it's it's just something that, it's a special time. It's a place to come, to, it's something to come together around. I, I would venture to say that if you told people in this country, what sport do you talk about most? I would venture to say it's some level of football. I'm, I'm just going to take a guess at that. And I would also point to this in terms of how special football season is. And the game is to people. Remember the failed AAF? 
We know the XFL is coming next year. Why do people want to give a football season a spring league? Because they know people love the game. And the AAF had problems. The XFL might too. But when it comes down to just the love we have for the game, I say keep it in fall. I don't really want spring. I would love to. There's probably that wants to have spring football, but another part of me that just says no, keep it in the fall. It's part of that communal gathering thing. But that's a topic for another day. The bottom line is this. This football season... We as a sports and football fan community will come together from the Friday Night Lights to the Sunday Night Lights. And we will enjoy it. We will enjoy watching and debating and, and talking about games to a blue in the face. And we'll do it all again the next week. From now until February, there's a game every week. This is what we love. This is what I love. And so, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm really flipping excited for it. But something I've also found out too. It goes by really, really fast. <laughs> the next minute, you know, one minute, it's, you know, everything's new. Everyone's O and L. And the next minute, oh, wait. Season's halfway over by now. <laughs> wait, where'd that go? I have a copy of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. I buy it every year. And the reason I bought it at first was because it has a space where you can fill out the results and of every game in FBS, team by team. And I love doing that. Saturday morning, I'll go in and I'll write the betting lines down for every game. I'll do it Thursday morning and Friday morning as well. And then as the games go final, I'll put the scores in. It's so great when you look and you see an empty schedule. Then you look down and you're like, you're going to October and you realize, oh wait, I got like a month left of this. And yeah, there's a lot of games to be played. But then as you start, I I always think, oh how goody, 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 this is all gone forever. And then I realize, oh wait. Yeah, I've got two weeks after this. And then we got bowl season, which is, is great. But you realize season's coming to an end. Bowl season is great, but and having a lot of games on is is... It's fantastic. But also, you know, hey, we're almost done with this. And then you go on to the Super Bowl. And you go, oh, wait, great. Oh, wait, what do I do now? I wait until July when the training camp starts again. Well, this is great. Just enjoy this season is basically what this whole thing is about. Enjoy this season. It's fun. It's going to be fun. And you know what? It's gonna be an interesting season. Things will happen. We have no idea what they're going, what's going to happen. And we're all gonna go, "Oh my goodness, what just happened?" And we're gonna do it again the next week because something else is gonna happen as well. And that's the beauty of this. From Friday to Sunday, we have absolutely no idea what's gonna happen. Let's just enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll be back next week. Don't forget you can get in touch with the show on Facebook, look up Luke's Look Podcast, and on Twitter, Luke's Look Pod, at Luke's Look Pod on Twitter, 
Luke's Look Podcast on Facebook. As I said, we'll be back next week. Until next week, have a great week. Stay safe.